Today on the Talent Cast, we figure out at last, we crack the nut to understand why HR never gets invited to the table. It's because they're measuring the wrong things. Can you believe it? <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, If you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, at The War for Talent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. <laughs> it, is, it is still very hot here. Uh, welcome to Chicago in the summertime. For those of you who complain about the winter, welcome to the summer. You get to complain about both of them if you want to, though people say you can only choose one. I say no. Go for both. Embrace it. Anywho, uh, housekeeping, yeah, going to be employer brand podcast. I think that comes out tomorrow. And some point this month, I'm going to be on Chad and Cheese. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, while they're off doing whatever it is Chad and Cheese does on their vacation, I'll let your imagination run wild. Uh, otherwise, uh, next week I'll be at uh, Talent Brand Summit. You should show up. I'm not speaking, but there you go. But I am speaking at Social Recruiting Strategies Conference in Austin in Austin, August. Austin in August. Whoop, talk about heat. Anyway, uh, enough for that stuff. Ha, here's the trick. Here's the trick. HR, without question, without question, is a wash in metrics. A wash. Every ATS spews metrics as if uh, you know, it's measured in pure weight, right? In raw tonnage of metrics. Here's every possible number. Here's every possible data point you could ever possibly want. Most of them wrong because ATSs are designed around a process that's perfect that never actually happens in real life, but that's okay. Here's some metrics. Did you want more metrics? Because here's some more metrics. By the way, have you met my friend metrics? I have a whole bunch of metrics and none of them matter. They really don't. There's really only, and, and if you want to quote Randy Newman here and get into that, there's only one thing that matters. There's one number that truly matters to the business. Because remember, we are working for a business, not a charity. And no matter how we see our job, how we see ourselves or see our role, we are here to support the larger business organization. Now, businesses care about one thing. If I have to explain to you that businesses only care about money, yikes, you're in trouble real trouble. But it's true. They care about money. That's all they care about. That's all they care about. They understand that for every good thing they do for society, they do it because in the long run, it'll come back to them in the form of money. That's right. Uh, They're here for the money. They're here for the cash. It's money that matters, Randy Newman says, and the business is right. That's what they're there for. If you want something else, go join a charity, go volunteer. That's cool. Do both. You can still make a lot of money and join a charity and make the world a better place. But in the end, push comes to shove. Every business, in the end, will choose money. Now, kindly look around you at your life, a wash in metrics the ATS and other tools are spewing at you. And they're great metrics. Some of them are right. Some of them are wrong. Some of them are real. Some of them are not. doesn't matter. But almost none of them involve money. Now, the obvious one that does is cost to uh, cost for application or cost for hire, cost per hire, I guess I would rather say, and that's a bunch of bullshit. Why? Well, because if you do cost per hire by source, it assumes that people are working the newspaper angle, seeing the ad, and applying, not looking on the job boards, 
talking to people, going on LinkedIn, seeing who they know, going on Glassdoor, reading the reviews, Googling new, figuring out what you're all about, seeing if they know anybody, seeing if they have a co coffee conversation, figuring out, you know, the standard modern candidate journey, which is a mess of, it's a plate of spaghetti, let's be honest. Uh, and you're gonna say you have some sort of sourcing attribution model that makes sense of that? Lies, absolute lies. <laughs> Even the best model I've ever seen is still a best guess on how most people interact because for every person who does a complicated spaghetti-like candidate journey, there's just as many people who do the, oh, you have a job, I'm applying. By the way, you don't connect quality to that, so which was the better candidate? I don't know. You and I think, think, we say think because it's based on guesses and anecdotal evidence that the person who does more research on the company is far likely to be the better candidate, but do we know that for sure? Show me your data. You can't? Oh, shocking. But you have so much of it. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. So the cost per application is, is a mess. And it assumes, uh, I mean, some people don't do, don't take into account the actual recruiter time or recruiter salary or the cost of the ATS or the cost of, you know, they, they, they look at the marketing cost, or they look at the job board cost, or, you know, they try to break it down by source and say, okay, well, if that job came from Indeed, we spent X number of dollars on Indeed, divide that number of dollars by the number of people who apply, that's the cost per apply per source, blah, 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 blah. It's all crap. It's all crap. The business doesn't care about that. You care about that because you want to make smart bets. Should you spend money on Indeed? Should you spend money on LinkedIn? Should you spend money on something else? That's where you start. You look at cost per source, right? Cost per hire by source. It's a good start, but that's all internal to you, right? And in fact, every metric that's of any value, it's actually only a value to you. It's internal baseball. It's inside baseball. It's how things get done. Right? You want to figure out uh, where your candidate flow is going wrong, you look at the data. Ah, they're all falling out of that part of the funnel. Great, go fix that part of the funnel. You know what the business doesn't care about? All of that. That's your job. That is your job to figure out. Your job as the lead tech talent acquisition recruiter type person is to figure out where the holes are and make the most efficient, optimized, uh, 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 there's a siren going by, I don't know if you can hear this, uh, effective recruitment marketing process, candidate journey. If you think the money needs to be spent on making the building nicer so that people who come in the building are in love with you and go, wow, I'm really impressed by what you're doing, great, do that. If you think it's all about being on more job boards, great, do that. The business doesn't care. The business doesn't care. You know what they care about? I'm sorry, did we not cover the money part yet? Yes, it's money. They care about the money. So, turns out, however, there is a number that you can begin to provide that the business will absolutely care about. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, first off, I'm gonna get a cup of coffee. Why I'm drinking coffee when it's so hot tells you how diseased and addicted to caffeine I am. That should be <laughs> no shock to anybody who listens to this. Anyway, what's the biggest problem in recruiting? No, no, I haven't forgotten or I haven't lost my train of thought. I'm taking a little tangent. I'm bringing it back though. Trust me on this. What's the biggest problem in recruiting? It's the recruiters. No, that's not true. It's the fact that we think recruiting only happens in the recruiters world. And it's not, that's not true. Have we all come to the agreement that hiring is everybody's job? That's the CEO, that's the VPs, that's the HR person, that's the HRBPs, the CHRO, it's the hiring manager, it's the hiring manager's team, it is the marketing's team, it is the consumer products team, right? 
everybody plays a role. You listened to the previous podcast. We talked about how your employer brand is impacting by all these different ways. And a lot of it happens before the candidate even decides, I'm a candidate. It happens when they're interacting with the product or listening to news, right? They're having a consumer interaction. There's a little word of mouth. Their neighbor complains about you or raves about you. All that happens outside of the recruiter's world. Stuff is happening the recruiter cannot influence, and yet somehow we say, we need to recruit more people, and they all look at you. That sucks. Let's get even more complicated. What's the biggest problem in recruiting? It's everybody but the recruiters. It's the hiring managers who don't really know what to hire for or don't know how to think about the job beyond today. They want to fill it with a person who looked exactly like the person who left that seat. Go find that person. They had the following skills. They went to the following schools. Go get them, right? But <laughs> when you go narrowing your target focus on what you're allowed to hire for, you're really hamstrung. You're really going to be unable to find a great person because you are smart enough to know that quality of candidate is not a function of does this incoming person look like this outgoing person who you adored and is now regrettable attrition, and you're like, ah, got to fill. There's a, there's a person-shaped hole in, this, in the organization. I have to fill it with someone who fits exactly that shape. Got to put a square peg in a square hole, right? And that's bullshit because you know that you can find people who are unobvious candidates, who are unlikely candidates, who are potential diamonds in the rough if only the hiring manager would give you a shot, would just listen for a second with an open mind about how, yes, you were looking for A, B, and C, but I can give you someone who does A, B, and a little bit of C, but what they also bring to the table is D, E, F, and a whole lot of Q. By the way, they didn't go to the school you expected to. That's okay. Their last company wasn't what you would want them to be. That's okay. Turns out they were doing amazing work in that small nonprofit as they were in the big four accounting firm or they were at a Google, Facebook, Amazon. Their work was amazing. And in fact, their ability to take ownership over that work because they were in a small company, because they were a nonprofit, makes them actually more valuable. That's your job. That is your job to think through the talent model to say, who would be great in this role? Who's going to add value to this role longitudinally? A word we do not use nearly enough. Quality isn't about who you put in the seat today. It's about whether you can promote them in a year or two and whether you can promote them a year or two after that. Right? A, a very high quality candidate is someone who does the job, excels at it so much that you want to throw money at them and say, do it some more over here at a higher level. That's a quality candidate. To the hiring manager, that sounds horrible. The hiring manager goes, oh, I have to replace this person in a year or two? I don't want that person overqualified. That's so, I'm, I'm doing a microphone trick. Sucks. That sucks. Can I just be the first to say, if you haven't heard it lately, that sucks. Now you're working across purposes. You're trying to serve the business. The hiring manager is trying to serve themselves. They're saying they're serving the business, but that's not 100% true because they're seeing and projecting all the work they have to do to replace that person in a year or two because you bought someone who was too good. So don't bring someone who's too good. Ugh. You know where that fear comes from, by the way? and this isn't as tangential as it sounds, that fear of, oh, I have to replace them in two years, is the fact that the process of doing this now is so complicated. A process that they look at you and say, that's your fault, but you know it's everybody's fault. They know it takes you eight and 12 weeks to replace a role. 
And you know it's because the HRBP takes forever to figure out the level, or the compensation and benefits team take forever to get around to figure out what the appropriate compensation is. You know that the hiring manager won't bring back evaluations. They won't fill out a job description or do an intake or they keep canceling meetings and duck and cover and try to avoid you and they go, where's my person? You go, you haven't even finished the job description yet. You haven't even answered my basic questions on what should be in this job description, let alone what should be in the job posting, let alone what we push out to the world. And they look at you as if it's your fault. Turns out there's a way to fix this and it's a way that leverages the one metric that matters, money. So everybody knows the metric time to fill, right? And for most people, that clock on time to fill starts the moment you push that job out or the moment the ATS or the HR system says, we have now an open role starting today. The person has left. They gave you three weeks notice, but they've left today. You've started the job process. The clock starts ticking and the clock stops ticking the minute they walk in the door, right? Time to fill. Sometimes there's variations in that. Sometimes it's the moment you get a uh, hire who says yes and you turn the clock off. I think that's a little fuzzy. Sometimes it's once you publish the job out, again, a little fuzzy, but it doesn't matter. Immaterial to this. Everybody likes to track time to fill. Everybody thinks shorter time to fill is better. And it kind of is. The problem is we're measuring the wrong thing. What we should be measuring truly is something I'm referring to as duration of empty seat which if you do a capital D, little o, big E, big S is a does, right? Like it's a fun little acronym, but duration of empty seat. And that means it's a value metric, right? The person you're replacing, the person who was in that role was driving some sort of value for the company. It doesn't matter. Were they in sales? They were bringing in, in a revenue. Were they in customer service? They were satisfying customers and lowering cost of, uh, uh, or increasing uh, in, uh, lifetime value, right? If they're in product development, they are building products that you could sell. Everybody in the company is driving some form of value. If they're not driving some form of value that you can measure, they should get fired. And that includes, sadly, you. Nothing personal. But you got to show the value, right? Your jobs, when you bring in talent, you know that your value is you're bringing in talent, that you are building the roots of the tree of the business. Without you, no more business. People leave and the business just shrinks. You have clear value. You just don't always know how to measure it, but that's okay. Most people don't. But every person in that, in that company is driving some functional value, some hopefully measurable value. And what I would like you to see and potentially communicate to your organization is the simple idea that that's what you should be measuring. The second that person leaves, or even better, the second that person gives notice, because we all know once they give notice, they're kind of half out the door, senioritis kicks in, and they're wandering out the door at four o'clock every day and not doing anything on the weekends, and you know, they're half out the door. They don't have anything to worry about. They've got a separate job. It's not this one, right? The second the value on that role begins to expire is when the clock starts ticking. What you're trying to do is establish a cost. What is the cost of not having someone fully engaged in that role? What is it? And it starts the second they put their notice in and it tick tock, tick tock through the two or three weeks that they've given notice. 
and it tick-tock, tick-tock through HRBP process and HR process, and it tick-tock, tick-tock through Comp and Ben, and it tick-tock, tick-tock through job descriptions and job postings and waiting for the ATS to take your job and push it out live, tick-tock, tick-tock, and waiting for your website to grab it from the ATS and push it out live and maybe throw it to some job boards, tick-tock, tick-tock. TikTok, TikTok is waiting for people to apply for the job. It's TikTok waiting an extra week to see if the 30 candidates you got maybe turn into 35 over the next week. TikTok, 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 value, 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 cost, 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 cost. How long does it take to bring that person in for a phone screen? How long does it take to get them in for an interview? How long does it take to set them up for an interview loop? How long before those evaluations happen? TikTok, 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 TikTok. Value is going out the door because you haven't put somebody in the seat. And when I say you, I mean, I mean the royal you. I mean everybody in your organization. Don't worry, you've hired them. Clock doesn't stop ticking. When does the clock stop ticking? The second that person provides value. After onboarding, after training, once their first sale kicks in as a salesperson, congratulations, welcome to Value Town. That's when the clock starts stops ticking. So instead of looking at from the duration of, I have a rack, I have to fill it, now you are forced with the, with the business to look at the bigger picture. What are you trying to solve? You're trying to create value by hiring someone, by putting someone in a role who creates value. And the length of time in which no one is in that seat is a cost. Now, in a given role, you should be able to extract approximate value by, let's say, fuzzily weak. Someone gives $100,000 in value every year, that's $2,000 a week. Why does that matter? Well, when hiring manager says, hey, you know what? I'm not really in love with any of these candidates. Maybe let's just let that job description roll out for another week and see what happens. Seeing what happens sounds great. Seeing what happens and it costs you $2,000 sounds terrifying. You want to get your job done at a high level? Apply those numbers. Apply the idea of cost per empty seat, duration of empty seat. You will see movement at every level of business. When Comp and Ben said, I'll get to back to that leveling in a couple of days, that's $400. When HRBP says, oh, I'm not going to get to it today, probably sometime later this week, that's $600. When you sit on that job description, when you're waiting for the, oh, oh, here's my favorite, hiring manager, you've interviewed this person. They've been tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock for like a month and a half now. You're going to wait two extra days to fill out the evaluation because you're busy? That's $400, buddy. $400. Tick, tock, tick, tock. This sounds a little crazy. It's possible I am, but I'm not. I'm really not. You want to get everybody in your business. If you really agree that hiring is everybody's business and you want to remove the burden of all hiring from recruiting to the business, this is how you do it. There are a lot of extra benefits to this. First off, how many of you have hiring managers say things like the following? Oh, they went to a public school? I don't want to hire them. Really? Because they went to a public school and you have some sort of preconceived notion that public schools aren't amazing? Uh, I beg to differ, senor or senorita. Um, oh, they, they didn't go to one of my four big target companies. They didn't work there. I don't want to talk to them. Really? So you don't see their value? Maybe you're going to spend another two to three grand waiting for the perfect candidate to walk by. That's the cost. Suddenly, it's not just a shot in the dark. Maybe something will happen. Maybe something won't. Now you're saying every week you wait, it's two grand. Two grand. Cut me a check. 
quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help. And that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us. Simple as that. Just review us wherever you get podcasts, share us on social media, say nice things about us or complain about us. That really is completely fair. Uh, That's all we really ask. That's all. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show. Right? You ever hire a manager who says, oh, I don't want to talk to them. They're a second place candidate. They're a silver medalist candidate. I don't want somebody else's leftovers. Really? Because I have this candidate sitting in my back pocket. You've had this wreck open for exactly four seconds and I have a perfect fill for this today. And instead of waiting eight weeks to go through phone screeners and interview processes and negotiating, I have someone who wants to talk to you today. We could fill this thing by the end of the week. I just saved you six to eight grand. Still don't want to talk about second place finishers? Hmm, shocking. Changes the conversation completely. It's no longer about subjective wants or likes biases. It's about money. Hey, here we are. It's all about money. It's money that matters, right? I will not sing that song, though I highly recommend, if you have a minute, to Google Randy Newman's Money That Matters. The video is the height of late 80s just crap. It is just delightful. It's just so cringeworthy. Enjoy it. Anywho, it's about the money. Money forces an issue far better than your opinion or somebody. You all know the concept of the hippo, right? You're in a meeting and there's a bunch of people talking about should it be this, should it be A or should it be B, should it be blue, should it be pink, should it be what, what, do you, what do you like, what do you like? And the highest paid person in the room goes, I like pink. And guess what? The answer is pink. Why? Because the highest paid person said so. It's the hippo. Highest paid person's opinion. Are they right? Nope. They're just more pay, better paid than you are. That sucks. Money changes the game altogether. Sure, we can do that, but it'll cost you five grand because it's, we're going to have to sit on this for three weeks waiting for something to happen. Oh, is it worth five grand? No. Guess what? Problem solved. Parabolum solved. I'm not drunk and I'm not crazy. It just sounds that way. I think, personally, once you really dive into this metric, there's also a bit of a fairy dust effect here that happens or could happen. And here's what it is. Once you've gotten everybody in the business to realize every action they take relative to hiring has a cost associated with it, everybody will re-optimize to a whole different way of thinking, to a whole different way of approaching talent. Suddenly, speed is far more important than complicated process right? You want to say you want to force people to make the application process. We talked about this last week. Great. If it takes an extra week for them to get around to it, is it worth two grand? Could you have someone just type in the damn resume or their own for them? Of course you would. That's definitely worth it. But you can't have that conversation unless you know what the cost of an empty seat is. The other part is once you optimize these processes around the concept of speed, when you're not waiting for open recs, suddenly you're having a different conversation. One, you realize it is infinitely more valuable for you to have the talent in your back pocket before you need it than to go and know you can find that talent eventually, right? Look, I have friends who are sorcerers. Hey, Angie, and I love them dearly, and I'm pretty sure sourcing is about to have a radical seismic shift because the goal of any good company should be to collect 
and develop talent before they need it. To take a, a, a farmer approach rather than a hunter-gatherer approach, right? You know you're going to need corn next year. Plant it today. Don't go looking for it later. You don't know what you're going to find. You don't know what the, what the environment's going to be. It's far more cost-effective to generate it and collect it and, and, and seed it and fertilize it and nurture it now over the long term. It's more expensive now, but over the long term, it's much more cost-effective. Then, once you've optimized your entire process around the concept of creating and developing and growing talent before you need it, something magical could happen. Now, I've not seen it, but I really believe that if you push on this button hard enough, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's something, trust me, you want to happen. You want to set up the hiring manager to think of you as a partner a true partner. Hey, they come to you and say, what do you think we should do? I'm torn between these two candidates. You know the market. Is it more likely I'm going to find another candidate A, but also with video experience? Or should I stick with candidate B because they have the video experience and looking for it, it's going to be hard to find. Or, right, isn't that a wonderful conversation to have? Or, the hiring manager starts to realize, well, gosh, my recruiter can turn these things around in days rather than months because we've optimized around the concept of creating and cultivating talent before we need it, and we can turn around on a dime, right? Because we've optimized around the concept of speed as a function of value. The next conversation you have with the hiring manager is, well, look, if I know my recruiter can get me candidates in a week instead of months, maybe I can take more risks on who I hire. Maybe I don't have to get locked into private school versus public school or has to be from one of the big four or has to be from one of the big name tech companies or even better yet, I'm willing to take a chance on someone who is so potentially good that I'm gonna have to replace him in a year or two. And I mean him, not in a him, but in a them, him or her in a year or two because they're so potentially good. And I'm comfortable with that because I know my recruiter can fill that role in a heartbeat. Suddenly, the overall quality of talent shifts because your hiring manager, who is effectively the decision maker in this process, is willing to take bigger risks and hire people who are more obvious, better candidates because they don't have to worry that you will take forever to fill it when that person gets promoted. Suddenly, the hiring manager is now no longer working at cross purposes to you and the company. We're all focused on the goal of how quickly can I find the best possible talent? And if every function of the business is focused on the idea of how quickly can I find the most cost-effective talent, how, more how much more effective is your recruiting going to be? And more importantly, how much more profitable is your company going to be? And you know who starts this? You in recruiting. You want to have a seat at the table. You want to when the C-suiters show up and they want to talk and they, you know, and in my head, you know, they're uh, smoking cigars and harumph, harumph, harumph. You know, they're making decisions. Rah! You know, you want to see at that table. Show that you understand business. And the best way to show that you understand business is not to go get an MBA. Is to talk about money nonstop, starting and ending with this metric: duration of empty seat, value metrics. Show them very quickly. If you change strategies, if you change directions, you can functionally save this company hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Suddenly people are listening to you. Hey, let's take your SDE4 role, your new vice president of product 
you know, the person who's effectively going to invent your business for the next three years, how long does that person take to find? Three months? Six months? Eight? More? And that person's going to drive thousands of dollars of revenue every single day. Now you can say, look, if we do this the old-fashioned way, and by the way, we have the metrics that say for this particular role, it generally takes three to eight months to fill this role, and we know that the value of cost per week is something closer to 5000 than 2000 suddenly you can say the loss of having an empty seat in this particular role is measured in six figures. Now, do you think they're going to take your budget request a little more seriously? because you're going to fix this problem. You're going to shorten the duration of hire on this role from three, six, eight months to three, six, eight weeks, saving the company $100,000 because of this. Yeah, they'll spend 10 grand on an, on an exec strategy or on an exec search committee if they need to. It's probably more than 10 grand. I think I'm being nice there. Uh, or whatever your strategy is. You're crazy. You want to put up billboards? You want to put up bus signs? You want to build an event? And, and, and invite the 10 best product marketing VPs in the country to show up and you're gonna pay for their plane tickets and they're pay for the hotel and it's gonna cost you 10, 15 grand. But in so doing, you know one of them will fall in love with your company and you'll hire them. Suddenly that's not a crazy ass idea. Suddenly that's the most cost-effective idea they've ever heard of. Spending 10 to 12, 15 grand to save $100,000, done, sold. Go, here's the money. <laughs> Take my money, right? This is the game you need to be prepared to, prepared to play in the modern recruiting era. Talk about money because that is the one metric to rule them all. All right, that's all I got. Uh, wow, this was a good end. Oh, wow, you never know how these, these play out, but I like this one. This was a fun, uh, fun recording. Um, I'm not schizophrenic. I literally just had a moment. I, I listened to I, in my head what I had just said, and I went, oh, man, I really nailed this. I really, this is an interesting idea, and I don't think we talk about this enough. So do me a favor. Share this bad boy out with everybody you know in recruiting. I want to get as much kind of traction on this idea as possible that focusing on duration of cost of, duration of empty seat is the revolution in the making that we need to start to embrace. So uh, otherwise, share the show. Tell people you know. Review it. Rate it. All that good stuff. Uh, otherwise, I will see you next week. This is episode 81. We got three more left before I take my break, trying to make them all home runs. So thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.